This is Good King Howe's Pod Piece. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 10, where I'm talking to man-at-arms, an all-round good egg, Mr. Tim Wood. Enjoy. Not right now, I'm on this podcast. And welcome once again to Good King Howe's Pod Piece the revoltingly titled podcast that I do about all history and silly things. Uh, you're listening to Mike Farley, Good King Hal, and here we are with episode 10. And I'm speaking today to the staggeringly handsome, talented, rampunctious Mr. Tim Wood. Good afternoon to you, Tim. Good afternoon, my lord. <laughs> where are you speaking to us from today? Because I always like people to know where I'm speaking to people because I've had people from... Uh, Cornwall and up in Norfolk and all over the shop. So where are you at this very moment? I'm speaking to you from the wilds of the north of England, uh, where I'm settled quite nicely in my castle, uh, <laughs> behind a raised drawbridge and concentric walls to keep the uh, keep the uh, zombies and peasants at bay. Oh, just just keep the Yorkshire people out. That's all you want to do. <laughs> now I've known Timbley Wimbley for. Ooh, Two or three years now, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Uh, longer, no, when? No, it's. Guess what? It's actually been about six. No. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm, about... I'm, I'm 27. I met you when I was 21. Listen to that, folks. 27. I know. I know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be 54 next month. Oh God. Anyway, but we're talking <laughs> about all things history and all things silly and all things fun on the pod piece as per usual. Um, now, Tim. I always open with a very similar question to everybody because it's a history podcast. And the question is, of course, you clearly obviously have a love of history. Um, where did it come from? Where did it originate? Was there one person who first sowed the seeds? Was it a teacher, a parent? What, what was it? So it's, it, it's come from a number of places, really. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in Kent. Um, so, you know, the, the Garden of England, I was always playing outside and, you know, you, you start off with your toy wooden swords and little bows and arrows. And I was just like, oh, I quite like these. These are these are great fun. And um, my, my parents took me to, funnily enough, the jousting at, at Hever Castle. Never uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I haven't had much of them since to be honest um, <laughs> but no yeah I was about four or five years old saw like the lances all the all the fighting and I was just like hell yeah knights knights are awesome um so you know I I got my Dorling Kindersley medieval book for my birthday I was reading all these stories and I was watching like every um what all those old like 60s medieval films that went on for oh. about five hours and they they built entire cities as sets uh utterly obsessed with them and and kind Robert, of a, a, Robert Wagner with very girly haircuts and things yeah like that. Exactly. yeah and and the love centered mainly around the weapons um i was uh, i was a very lovely child and also a very bloodthirsty child ah, um ah. so I, I was like swords daggers axes spears i was i was really into it and um and, and I there's nothing to see here police move along you yeah know. exactly totally not one to keep an eye on <laughs> for the future um but uh, i'd you know we had family friends who who uh, sort of added fuel to the fire so um I remember one of our, our family friends came around and he, he dropped off literally about a carload of like old toy swords of his and like machine guns and, and oh. 
um, which is which is pretty sweet. And then when I was about eight or nine years old, I started learning how to fence. Um, so right. I was a, a, a foil fencer, and I ended up teaching that, which was really cool. Um, progressed into to epee and saber, and then when I was a little bit bigger, I started um, fighting with steel Scottish broadsword swords uh, with my coach. I was about 14, 15, learning how to, to swing he's around. Still, like, he's still had a foil, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like, but a Scottish basketball broadsword, yeah. they were so heavy for like a little 14-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've held one, even myself, it's just like, jeez, oh, you know. yeah. And they must have been, I mean, they must have been formidable on the battlefield, but they were sort of one-shot wallies, though, weren't they? Because, I mean, if you missed, that was yeah. it, you managed. it. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd, just have, you'd just be, like, really hench to be able to use it, yes. you know, uh, effectively. But, oh, sorry, uh, can you stand still? I'm just going to pick it up and have another go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, like, but uh, yeah, I just, I progressed onto steel blades and I got involved with uh, HEMA, Historical European Martial Arts. So I've been to load of different clubs around Oxford and London, just, you know, learning what I can. And and for a while with a, a very good friend of mine, I, I ran a, a sword fighting club group. It was basically just a bunch of mates. We got together and 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 had fights with, with our weaponry. And it, it wasn't very safe. It wasn't official. Um, it was basically just me and a bunch of guys who were like, hey, we own a load of like medieval uh, reenactment weapons. <laughs> uh let's hit each other let's hit each other we uh we had top floor of this pub in oxford which i can't name because i don't want to get them in trouble but um they they used to give us the top floor of their pub um for free to to, to fight in as long as we a didn't see them if we got injured and b bought drinks afterwards so i did about just see all the, all the locals downstairs sipping their maccas and yeah. there's what sounds like troop maneuvers going on upstairs. And literally i'd come downstairs or my or my mate ross would and be like holding an eye or something like <laughs> oh yeah like timmy you're right yeah i just got punched in the face it's fine um can i have a pint of coke please you wouldn't drink alcohol whilst we're fighting no 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 you gotta be gotta keep it sensible Absolutely. Um, afterwards we would um yeah, and that's kind of why I'm so into medieval history. Is it, I like to live it. So you know, yeah. I've I've got chainmail, I've got my tabard and everything. I wear it quite a lot. Uh, it's even my LinkedIn photo on LinkedIn. It's a picture of me I know, from one of our shows. And the so most I'm, amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen, is he's married. I know. <laughs> so I, found, I found someone that will actually put up with this. I know it's incredible. Is it, oh there, is, there is a sort of a joke to that, you know, when you work in uh, heritage or in history, you know, people come up to you and you sort of mention your wife and they go, really? And you go, yeah, no, really, I, I am married. You know, no. It is like... My two most common questions when I do mention a wife is how and why. <laughs> oh, you should try being Henry VIII, the one I always get is, yeah, which, which wife you got with me today, Henry? Hey, which one? Hey, go blimey. Like, I've never heard it before. So, so every time I hear it now, someone goes, "Which wife you got with you?" And I always say, "I don't know. I just count the mother-in-laws." And uh, and I I got, I got into tremendous trouble once at a school because uh, this little girl came up to me and she said uh, very early, she said, "Well, why was Henry VIII so bad-tempered?" And I said, "Well, so would you be if you had six mother-in-laws?" Just as a joke. And she looked at me and she went, "He only had five because Catherine Parr's mother was long dead before they were married." I'm <laughs> just not like, "Oh, blimey, get you." <laughs> here's your picture sweetie bye-bye <laughs> here's your packed lunch go away yeah. um well you completely answered my second question as well with that first answer because i was going to ask you about your love of combat medieval weaponry and it uh 
doesn't come obviously from some childhood trauma, but for some good things, which is really, yeah. really yeah. Bad. My my house was broken into by Viscoffs. So I was like, ah, oh, not must, again, um... not again. <laughs> so, okay, moving on. What dream job? Because at the moment you have a job. You've had several yes. jobs over the years, so quite a sort of a varied career so far. But if you could match up your history, combat, comedy, gaming, everything into a good what would be your ideal job sky's the limit there's no limit you can sort of say if, I, if you want to be the president of ici or glaxo yeah. fine go for it but what if you could just go right i want to be this what would it be gosh i i guess if like it's funny i've i've done a lot of things i've wanted to do already which i i feel very fortunate about i mean i'm i'm a games headhunter uh in my day job and that is mm. That's awesome. I get to speak to artists. I should point writers. out here, folks, when he says headhunter, that doesn't involve... Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, people I, and dragging them back to his cave. Yeah, yeah, I don't get them jobs. I just take their scouts. Um, <laughs> but no, um, you know, I, I really enjoy that. That that hits the sort of gaming, creative um, mm -hmm. side of things. I talk to a lot of writers who, who've worked on the most amazing games uh, that I play and enjoy. And I, I guess in the summer, I, I get to scratch the itch a little bit of, of being a knight as I've, I've done several shows of you now, um, as, as Sir Tim of York. Um, oh, should I move to York? Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, that, yeah, I'm roughly there. Um, but I, I guess dream job, I, I, I think if nights were still a thing, um, without the... Um, if I could ha be a knight without the sort of classist undertones of having basically slaves, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd want to just fight, like evil dragons not nice dragons because i assume they exist um well, well i know they exist some very very nice dragons around. yeah if you follow D uh, dungeons and dragons law um you know you can't go wrong with like a silver dragon or something but i think you know uh, a knight of the realm in some way shape or form I, I don't want to have to have to do a like 50 year acting career to get a knighthood i'd rather like you know win an awesome sword fight and then be like the just trial by combat champion for parking tickets. Like an enormous cash donation to a political party and whenever <laughs> yeah. power you end up becoming a knight now, that's the easiest way to do it. Absolutely. So please guys, if, if you're listening and you want to help me achieve my dream of being a knight, then then please make donations in my name to whatever. I just want one of these people who's friendly <laughs> with the uh, government at the moment and they get given PPE contracts for like <laughs> Even though I, I think that's what being a knight is these well, days. You have no experience of making PP at all. You know, <laughs> I actually wrote a letter to, to Boris Johnson fairly recently saying that. It's like, <laughs> I'm a Henry VIII impersonator, but if you give me 10 million quid, I'll make you some yeah. PPE. Well, um, I've actually got an inside fire. track on their, on their interview process. So they, it's, it's basically one question. It's like, hey, can you deliver on all this stuff? And if you say no, you get the job. <laughs> Well, they've heard today, speaking of such things, that Chris Grayling has now been put in charge of um, looking after Britain's squirrels. So that, that's the end of them. Um, I think if he's looking out for them, he'll probably be in a tank or, or a steamroller with a pair of goggles on so he can't see what? them. What? I mean, squirrels are very lovely and important to our ecosystem, but that is quite a wild job, isn't it? Like, I don't know. Imagine just waking up one day. Make I mean, imagine my wife coming what, what are you doing today I, I need to figure out what looking after Britain's squirrels entails and how to achieve that I don't know what KPIs I have do I just there need to are. buy loads of nuts and suet like <laughs> <laughs> how does this work just being bright eyed and bushy tailed that's all you have to do in your, uh, 
Oh dear. And we mentioned once or twice the jousting down at Hever and other places. Um, the old uh, Knights of Royal England. And how did you, well, obviously we've mentioned earlier, you saw them at Hever when you were a wee nipper. But how did you actually approach them to to work with them? I mean, I, I was I was lucky in that I got introduced by the management at Leeds Castle. They dragged me and Jeremy in for a meeting one day and sat us both down and said, you two be good for each other. And that was, <laughs> that was about... 14 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, um, but for yourself, how did you sort of first get a chance to work with them? Was it you approached them or? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'd seen them as a kid and always had fond memories of jousting. And I, I saw jousting a number of years until we moved the way up to Milton Keynes. So then I was just all about the, the fencing and, and HEMA stuff. Um, I was actually living in London. Um, I, I was um, a, a recruitment agent recruiting actuaries, uh, mm-hmm. people who calculate insurance premiums based on statistics, most boring thing ever. So I, I didn't actually do any work in that job. I literally just searched cool stuff I could do in the local area. And jousting came up on um, on like things you can do in Kent kind of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, jousting's not too far away. Um, being a, a, a very good person <laughs> to, at finding people, I just searched Knights of Royal England into LinkedIn, uh, came across uh, Jez's profile and I basically sent him like my CV. I wrote him a really formal letter just saying, hey, you know, I've done this, I've done that, you know. I'm a, quali- I'm a qualified martial artist I've matured I've got my own swords I've got armor and like it must have had such a laugh reading it because uh, I got a response like hey sounds great yeah come along uh, let's have a chat kind of thing and uh, I was so nervous when I turned up and I brought every weapon I owned uh, at the time so like my broadswords my uh, hand and half uh, axes daggers I, I was like I don't know what I need I wore um, an all black <laughs> All, all black kung fu jiffy because from a distance that's kind of medieval so i don't know what what uniform i need or anything like that and it was great because we basically uh i won't reveal trade secrets but i was i was given the crash course uh, and then i was doing a show that day <laughs> that's how i do it mate that's show yeah you. it was great uh it's show business baby um but no no i i kind of went to went on that weekend and, and then never stopped turning up uh they keep telling me to go away um but you know, I just I'm addicted. <laughs> I've got the bug. <laughs> Changing the locks at Hever Castle, but you keep coming back for more. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know how you feel, mate. I do know how you feel. No, it's uh, it's, it's a pleasure working with you, and it's always funny with you. And uh, I, do oh. like your, I do like your running gag where you're being all rafty tafty and talking like this, nigga. <laughs> Sorry, and then your voice is completely normal. <sighs> that I actually did that for real the first time because I I basically shouted myself raw i i couldn't actually make any more noise so i had to talk like this um but no i i love it because you know having gone from being a kid watching it to then performing and having like families and kids being like oh look that's the that's the green knight i'm like yeah that's me basically a rock star (laughs) but the best ever is i must admit when uh, sometimes um helen who plays by Anne Boleyn at heber castle and i we 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 sometimes rather than go back and see the jousters we we nip off to the cafe at uh, heber and have a a little sit by the the the, the river and uh, quite unwind there and it's quite funny because you see all the people you've seen before the show and during the show but of course, you're not dressed as Henry and Anne then. So yeah. And I've got my glasses on, and I'm not wearing the Henry outfit. And you see them sitting there, and they spend the whole time going, "Oh." You see them sort of look, looking at you, and and then one or two of them will just look away. Again. <laughs> but one or two, you always get the slightly more confident ones who go, "Yeah." 
Yeah, it's you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. I, uh, my fa- some of my favourite moments when we we were all kitted up in costume and we're sitting around having tea and coffee, <laughs> and then I need to walk like a mile to get to the toilet um, before the show. So I'm like walking through all these crowds in Falama. I was like, oh look, he's going to go chop someone's head off. I'm like, no, I'm going to have a wee. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for a wee. <laughs> I'm going for a wee and to get like a packet of crisps so I don't pass out later. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, and everyone stops you for photos, and like, yeah. I, I'd love to see all the photos that have been taken with me because in some of them, I must be like, my face was like, oh my gosh, I really need to go. <laughs> I think the funniest photo I've ever seen of me was only about a year after I started doing Henry full time back in about 2005. I did a program for the BBC, and it was a live program I filmed up in London. And I was in the Henry costume all day, and I was literally on my feet for about 12 hours. And I was oh my gosh. Utterly, utterly exhausted. By the time we finished, it was just starting to get dark. We were in Trafalgar Square in London, and I had to walk around the corner to the hotel where the dressing rooms were. And I was just trying to get back to the hotel. And of course, he had dressed as Henry walking through the middle of London. You're stopped every two feet. Photo, photo, yeah. photo. And eventually, I got to the steps of the hotel, and this group of middle-aged squawky ladies oh look he's henry oh lovely and they, they grabbed me and oh come have a photo on the steps call henry so i had to stand there and one of them said your face your smile looks terribly forced henry because <laughs> it is and i saw the photo about two years later on something like somewhere online <laughs> i found it and it is literally me going <laughs> I, I look, honestly, look, I've been crucified and then hung up between these old ladies. Was, <laughs> and, and the thing with the Heber as well is whenever you finish a Henry show and you're walking back from doing the jousting, you know, the thing you always get is, are you hot in that? Of course I am. You know, I'm wearing the, the clothing equivalent of a wardrobe. Oh, the <laughs> best is when, you know, I've just done a fall off an eight foot tall fence or something or off the tilt. Oh, is that real? <laughs> yes. No. It was my stunt double. Like, yes, of course. Where would I go? <laughs> one, one I always get asked about, are, are the horses real? And they're like, yeah. no, they're animatronic. You know, they're, they're very clever. We got them all from Japan. I told one kid, he, he asked me if the sword fight's real. I said, no, it's a video. And he believed me. It was about three. <laughs> should, should, if you're under the age of five, I don't think you quite get sarcasm. But <laughs> No, 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 no. It's, it's like irony. It's like bronzy and goldy, but made of iron. Um <laughs> So my final official question for you is where is or where are your favourite historical place places? Oh gosh. So I, I think, you know, in terms of places I places I've been, um, I think number one spot for me has to be Hever Castle. And I mean Hever is lovely. It's yeah, and it's it's more it's it's to do with my own personal history, to be honest. Like a lot yeah. of my life has been centered around that place, and it's you know, I remember running through the water maze at, at four or five years old, uh, obviously the jousting, and then obviously the, the new memories I've got, like with you guys, um, just doing amazing shows and having all these incredible people come and watch us and, and support us. It's it's exhilarating. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm a really big fan of Dover Castle. You've you've got the historical yeah. connotations, the World War II connotations. I think that's a very special place. Um, you know, Blenheim Palace as well. Um I think that's a, 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 a beautiful location as well uh, as being one of our other jousting haunts <laughs> that it's, we go to. What I like about Blenheim is it's 
it's always the first one of the season, which is always yeah. like blowing the cobwebs away. But it's just such a stunning outlook when you when you drive through the grounds just to get to where we set up. Just that drive through at the start is just like, oh, this yeah, is great, you it's, know. It's gorgeous, and you know, birthplace of of Churchill and and all that. Um, That's the insurance bulldog, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not not the prime minister. Not the prime minister. Um, and I guess my final one would be um, Haradrian's Wall. Um, oh yeah. I just the premise of it's so funny. Just no, Rome didn't want to deal with Scotland, so they just built a massive wall. Where it reminds you of certain um, Western politicians. Um, <laughs> I don't think who you're talking about, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they made the they made the pigs pay for it. Yeah. Um, we will build a wall, and the pigs are going to pay for it. I uh, went up there a few years ago to do a show. It was a Shakespeare festival, and I was there as Henry VIII. And um, we, we, so I went with my sister and her husband, and we, we were staying in this place near Hadrian's Wall. And I'd never ever been to Hadrian's Wall, I'd driven past it, all sorts of stuff. I'd never been there properly. And we went to sort of Vindolanda and had a wander around. And they had their dogs with them, my sister and her husband. They took them for a walk. So I was left kicking my heels. And one of the things I was always taught by a mate of mine who's a big historian and archaeologist was if you ever go to a historical site and you see um, molehills, hmm. he said, kick them over. He said, because moles are the best archaeologists in the world they bring everything to the surface and you'll find things oh and i've spent years kicking molehills over and never finding anything and i was a vindolander was literally kicking my heels there were some molehills oh okay and i found uh a nail from a legionary's um sandal boot oh wow a roman square-headed you're just like oh, 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 i found something and then you're like what do i do do I keep it? No, no, no I mustn't. So I went, yeah. into the, I went into the museum bit and I said, well, look, I've just found this outside. And they were like, oh my God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Where was it? And I just showed them where it was. And that was my abiding memory of uh, going. Oh, wow. Uh, like, this is worth millions. You're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Like, fool, fool. Right then, silly questions. This is a bit at the end of the pod piece where I always ambush the person with five questions they have no idea are coming. They're nothing important. They're things like, what is your inside leg measurement? And uh, think, no, it's nothing like that. So, I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm Duck's disease. I've got short legs and a long body. So, but, um, so very simple questions. You can give short, quick answers if you want, or you can give slightly long ones. So question one is, are you scared of flying? Um, I am actually scared of flying. Um, I'm not the only one. Thank God for that. Yeah, my my pre-flight flight routine now consists of um, a couple of whiskeys and a diazepam. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I'm a really nervous flyer. When take off and landing, I'm particularly awful. Or just as they're landing and the plane tilts and oh, circles. Oh no, no! When we when we flew to to Sweden for for Chelsea, I was just a nervous wreck. And basically, everyone sat around me holding my hands whilst I was just crying. Yeah, I'm brave on land in the air. No, no, thank you. Now, I know when I went on holiday to Italy, it was we got the flight at about eight o'clock in the morning, and the very first thing I did when I got on the plane was order a massive brandy. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the worst experience ever was, uh, as well as being Father uh, as Henry VIII, I hate to tell everyone this, I, I was Father Christmas as well. You see, I hate to game away, and I was being Father Christmas at Leeds Castle. I did about eight years as Father Christmas there. And one year they did a competition and the winning child got to fly in a helicopter from Rochester Airport to Leeds Castle with Father Christmas <laughs> and then be the first one to see around his grotto. Oh, and they stuck me in this helicopter dressed as Father Christmas. I, oh, my God. I was biting the buttons off the seat with me bottom. <laughs> I was, and this kid sitting there going, are we going to Leeds Castle? Yes, we're going to Leeds Castle and gripping the handles of the seat. <laughs> 
And when we eventually got to Leeds Castle, it landed on lawns where we usually joust during the summer. And I literally fell out of <laughs> the grass. And I kissed the grass like the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing he did, the pilot, is we when we got to Leeds Castle, he went, oh, I'll let you have a look at it. And went, this huge sort of banking movie. Like, Don't do that! <laughs> Just land the helicopter. Just land it, please. Sorry, <laughs> uh, question two. What is your favourite drink? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic, anything. Whatever you say. Oh, gosh. Alcoholic, um, any whiskey. Single malt scotch. I love that. Um, Lagavulin. Yes. Lagavulin, Tigervulin. Um, Highland Park, Vikings Honour. Also very nice. Um, I'm also uh, soft drinks. Why? Well, soft drinks, is it hard drink? Coffee. I, I can't live without coffee. <laughs> Um, I'm aware I'm a cliche, uh, but it literally gets me through uh, the days. I work very long hours in my job. So um, now there we, we finally depart from being identical to each other. I hate coffee with a pain of vengeance and I've never drunk it in my entire life. So, oh, yes, you're you're a t uh, white tea, one sugar, right? Oh, good man. You remember. Yeah, something. I remember your order. <laughs> uh, well, go and get one. No, sorry, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> right. Funniest movie you've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Airplane. Oh yes, good choice. Yeah, and any airplane or any of the the Naked Gun movies. Oh, um, now you're talking. Yes, they are fantastic. Uh, honorary mention, of course, goes to the Three Amigos. Um, yeah, I, I only watched that for the first film. time ever about three weeks ago. So good. That was my childhood film. Very um, funny. Also, things like Spaceballs and stuff like that. I really like... Um, like Mel Brooks' stuff, then, yeah. Yeah, like 80s and pre-80s comedy, I love. Um, I love modern comedies, too. Like, you know, Modern Family, which is a, a TV series. That's one of Cracking my favourite ones at the yeah. moment. Um, I, I will watch most things and really like them uh, when I see Have critics, you ever seen... It's a very old stuff. film now. Have you ever seen Some Like It Hot? No, I haven't. Jack oh, Lemon, like... Shirley Mc... uh, Jack, no, Jack Lemon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe. Ooh, I'll have to try that out. They're basically two musicians who go on the run from the uh, mafia and they disguise themselves as women and, <laughs> and join an all-girls band. And then the then the mafia turn up where they've gone to hide, and it's ah, oh, it's that sounds amazing. And it has the finest ever last line of any film ever. Ooh. Well, I will check that out for sure. Man. Right, what's the furthest you've ever been away from the UK? The furthest you've been? So I went to Bali for my honeymoon. Oh, uh, good man. So, yeah, literally the other side of the world. And it was, the, the flight was actually fine. We, we flew with Singapore Airlines. Mm -hmm. As a nervous flyer, it was great. I had unlimited champagne. Um <laughs> So I was sorted. You had your beautiful uh, wife holding your hand and patting your hand. Absolutely. And, you know, we had a, a very magical time away at oh. a very remote, quiet resort with an infinity pool. And You romantic old devil, you. What can I say? What a smoothie. <laughs> and finally, a final question before I release you from this purgatory of me asking you questions. <laughs> Simple. Rock, rap or West End musicals? West End musicals. <laughs> You old card, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, look, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. It really has been. It's been a great oh, laugh. Thank you for has, having me. The time has flugen passed, as they say in Germany. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, keep up the good work. Um, work hard. Hopefully, I will see you during the summer. COVID dependent. COVID permitting, absolutely. We shall be there as Henry and uh, Tim of York. And so you've been listening to the Cooking Hell podcast. This was episode 10. I've been talking to the wonderful, the deeply wonderful 
Mr. Tim Wood, who's now going to say goodbye. Goodbye. There you are, you lucky people. <laughs> and uh, I will see you all soon for the next episode. Thank you. Goodbye.